Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have actress and host, Mayim Bialik. She's an actor, TV host, a mother, and an academic. You know her from starting to hit TV shows like Blossom and The Big Bang Theory. She is now an interim host for the legendary game show Jeopardy. I talked to Mayim about loving her faith, her love for neuroscience, and growing up in Hollywood. Next up, Mayim Bialik. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating, but more importantly, look at your phone right now. Text a friend, call a friend, email a friend, DM a friend, give them this game. That's why it's become one of the top podcasts in the entertainment space. And we still climbing. Next Thursday, it's Thanksgiving. While I won't be releasing a new episode, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spoil y'all. I'm going to re-release an old episode. And you know how I'm going to re-release? Big Sean. I saw Kanye talking slick about my little brother. And he don't know I've been giving him a pass for years. And he throwing shade at my brother. And you know what he throwing shade at him for? Not supporting his presidential race. I'll talk about that. Big Sean episode next Thursday, Thanksgiving. Make sure you check it out. This week's theme is trust yourself. There's a voice in your head that knows that you are enough. You know when something isn't right. You also know when you love something or someone, even if everyone else disagrees. Starting the day, I need you to fully lean in to that voice, your intuition your inkling that you got what it takes, that inner confidence that was put into your heart. That other voice in your head that says what abouts or probably wants, you weren't born with that. That comes from outside forces, the people who told you you couldn't. So let me get this right. Right now, you're watching people surpass you. You got more experience, you're older, but yet you're now having doubts in your own abilities. But you know what? None of that is real. It's all projections, smoke and mirrors. If you're listening to my voice right now, you need to trust yourself. You are enough as you are, and your only goal should be to be the very best version of yourself in every room that you enter. Own the things that don't cost you nothing. Being on time, your body language, your attitude, your effort. My next guest knows all about that. Maya Bialik started off as a child star. And although she loved acting, she knew she had other goals she wanted to pursue. She wanted to go to college. She wanted to get a PhD in neuroscience of all things and become a mother. All things people told her that would keep her away from her goal, which was acting. 
If she listened to the naysayers, she would not be where she is today. As a matter of fact, me too. She recently starred in the hit series, Big Bang Theory, and will be the interim host of the legendary game show, Jeopardy. Coming up next, I've talked to Mayim about loving her faith and culture, her love for neuroscience, and growing up in Hollywood. Next up, Mayim Diallo. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Our next guest might be one of the smartest people we've had on the show. Definitely the first scientist. How about that? Mayim Bialik. Hello. Is an actor, TV host, a mother, and an academic. Oh, there's more. There's more. I want to make sure that you come back. You know her. I'm starring in TV hit shows like Blossom and The Big Bang Theory. She is now, just for now, the interim host of the legendary game show Jeopardy. And she also hosts, it's more to this. Miambolic's breakdown that I recently was a guest on. Go listen to that episode. Please welcome Miam Bialik to the Renaissance Man. Hello. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the love. Thank you for taking the time. You were born and raised in California, and I talked all of this smart stuff. Let's talk about your Golden State Warriors. You know, I was I was on your show. You're now on my show. We call that a home and home in the NBA, kind of like the Cavs and the Warriors when they were going back to back in the finals when it was LeBron and Steph Curry. I was at each of those games. What do you think about your Warriors? Steph is back. Jordan Poole is an improved player this year. Clay is coming back. Draymond's in the lineup. What do you think about your Warriors as they got off to a good start beating the Lakers? It was a pretty exciting game, you know, and I have to say that this COVID experience has been like the NBA on injuries because Mm. it's a completely, it's not a, it hasn't been a normal season for several seasons now. So it's exciting. It's exciting to have those, those big names to see some, you know, some of our guys coming off of those injuries. And, you know, I feel like also kind of post COVID, everybody's just so excited to get back out there. And basketball is that sport, you know, that brings people out in a way that while I've missed baseball and I've missed football, there's something about basketball. And, you know, I grew up here. The Lakers are a terrific team. I got nothing against the Lakers. You know, my my kids wrote root for all Bay Area teams. I was raised a Knicks fan because my parents mm. were workers. So I've been through it. I've been through a lot, but <laughs> I've been a very happy Warriors fan. My kids are 16 and 13. So pretty much been rooting for Warriors uh, since they've been born. Don't be surprised if those Golden State Warriors are knocking on the door in the Western Conference this year. I hope so. I hope so. They're going to name their team something else. The jerseys are going to say a different thing. Every- <laughs> uh, they're not turning down any sponsorship dollars at all. 
at all. <laughs> like every time you turn around and blink, we're Dub Nation, we're this, we're the city, we're the bay, we're everything. Exactly, wherever the checks are. But you you were born and raised in California, right? That's right. I at was... what point in your youth did you realize that you wanted to act? I started acting, um, you know, in elementary school, you have to do plays like everybody does. I went to public school my whole life. I'm part of the busing program of the 70s and 80s. So mm. I was bused from, um, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in, which was a perfectly fine neighborhood, but they put us on buses early in the morning. Mm. And right. that's when I learned all of my Belle Biv DeVoe was listening to uh, the radio stations on the way up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we went to, you know, I went to public school my whole life. And so you have to do plays and things like that. And I was the kid. I wasn't like a, I, I don't think I was like a hammy kid. Like, oh, look at me. But I definitely liked, you know, I liked auditioning. I liked doing different accents and I liked making other kids laugh. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of my earliest humor was just, I mean, I don't want to say pick it on people, but like finding the funny, you know, in everybody. And everybody had something about them you could kind of pick on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I used to crack jokes on people a lot, too. I yeah. can't lie. But as a kid, though, you had a breakout role. Hmm. Yes. It was in the movie Beaches. That's right. I was. And you were also a star <laughs> in the history Blossom. Mm -hmm. Was that a fun time, like... You were really successful, really young. And as I see so many young people um, come out and talk about, you know, juggling their success with their youth. How was that for you? Um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come on here and be like, it was great. It was awesome. Like there were parts of it that were awesome. And there were parts of it that gave me opportunities I had never had before. You know, as I said, like I, I grew up I grew up not with a lot of money. Like I grew up just like, you know, living in Hollywood in a kind of, you know, in a crummy rental house where something was always broken. And to be honest, like some of my best memories of those years were I got to go to the NBA All-Star game. And that was something I had, you know, grown up watching and dreaming of that kind of world. So being on Blossom for me meant that I got to, you know, I went to Charlotte, like I went to all these amazing places and got to you know, see all these players. I saw Shaq in his early years. Mm. Like I, saw, I had some incredible opportunities that I only would have had, you know, because I was in this situation. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard having everyone tell you you're amazing when you know that that's not always true. And Correct. it's hard having people, you know, be interested in you for what you can provide for them or what you can give them. And, you know, people are like, oh, you learn who your true friends are. I don't know. Sometimes you learn by trial and error, you know, like, right. yes in a safe place but then like oh this didn't feel right so mm. i think there's a part of you that doesn't really develop all the way especially when you have fame young mm -hmm. um, you know like there's part of you that's always like love me love me like what can i do you know mm -hmm. so i think there's definitely an aspect to my life that was shaped by that but also and i'm sure you can relate it's like i don't know who i'd be without having those experiences you know correct, correct. I had a totally different path and like you know, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. So I believe that the things that happen happen for a reason, meaning whatever lessons you learn and whatever challenges that makes you the person you are. So I'm grateful for that. And also it was really hard. <laughs> it's extremely hard. And whether it's Simone Biles, mm -hmm. um, Naomi Osaka, uh, and, and as you mentioned, it's something that I needed to navigate as a young person that was really famous so very early. So what was it like to go from being, and money does this in a lot of ways, 
take you from being a member of the family or the friend group to the leader and or boss in a lot of ways? Yeah, it's very, it's very strange, especially when you're also navigating just like puberty and just like trying to figure out where you fit and what kind of person you are. And, you know, I, I also don't want it to be like, oh, famous people, we have it so hard. But I think that the challenges that we all experience for some of us, we're experiencing them on a really large scale, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, every mistake you make is amplified and every good thing you do is also amplified, which can also give you kind of like a skewed sense of like your importance, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that um, that's some of what, you know, I was navigating. And I think anytime you become a person who's earning, it makes everything weird. Like even small things like, oh, where normally we'd go out and we'd like split this popcorn. Like when you're a mm. teenager, it's like, oh, is it my responsibility to pay for the popcorn? And then like, what does that mean? And also when you're young, even in your early 20s, even in your later 20s, you're not going to be like, I think our relationship might be negatively impacted. <laughs> like, this is not what about. So it's like you either always become the person who's paying for stuff or you don't pay for stuff and then people call you cheap. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. all over the place. Right, exactly. And but I appreciated learning this because you famously took a break to attend UCLA. Yep. So not only do you have a degree from UCLA in neuroscience, by the way, you also have a PhD in philosophy. Now I'm not going to act like there are too many parallels between acting and neuroscience, but however, the studying and the research that goes into both crafts and the right. discipline, um, where did your love in science come from and what drove you academically? So, you know, and actually my PhD, it's called a philosophy doctorate, but it is in neuroscience. So I actually studied Hebrew and Jewish studies and neuroscience, like all the way through, you know, mm -hmm. and I like to, I like to remind people like that was 12 years solid. So like you go to high school. Mm, wow. 12 more years. Right. So like, you know, when I say wow. that I took time off to like study and do research and wow. you know, I fell in love with science in kind of in high school, like when a lot of people get interested in it, but I was not a natural math science student. Mm -hmm. um, it took a lot of catching up. Um, it took a lot of, I mean, we called them remedial classes. That was kind of like our in joke, <laughs> but um, what there was at UCLA at the time, and like, it's kind of controversial now is there was a, there was programs called affirmative action, which have become and are, I guess, very controversial. But what it meant was that if you came into your freshman year at a college like UCLA and you didn't have the standing that you wanted in math, in chemistry, like you had an opportunity to catch up before mm. you started your classes. And, you know, yeah. the people that I was in class with, those are your doctors and dentists and surgeons today, you know, right. like yes. that's it. it so for me, I had the opportunity to try and you know, do better in math and science. And so it took me a little bit longer to get my degree. Um, but I was really fascinated with the human brain, with psychology. I was particularly interested in psychi psychiatry and mental health. Um, you know, back then we weren't even talking about cancer without whispering it, much less bipolar disorder or ADHD or, you know, eating disorders. Like nobody was talking about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you study it in an academic way. And I actually studied obsessive compulsive disorder um, as part of my thesis. But yeah, I was gone for 12 years and I had mm. two kids. Like I had a whole life, you know? 
Um, and the fact is also, you know, in those days, that was the decade of decadence at UCLA. Mm. I saw more games than I can count at Poly Pavilion. Mm. To see the great John Wooden, you know, legendary, like whose philosophy inspired so many athletes. Like I, I was extremely proud to be a Bruin and still am. You know, mm-hmm. I slept outside of Poly Pavilion to get tickets for the lottery. Like I went wow. to football, I painted my nails. Like I knew all the cheerleaders dances. Like so, I also got to have a really incredible academic experience at a public university with people mm-hmm. of all shapes, sizes, colors, economic backgrounds. This was like the heart of like a political awakening that was starting on campuses. Like mm-hmm. it was in, it was an incredible time, you know, to go to college in the early mid nineties. Um, it was really, it was an amazing experience. And I don't talk to a lot of people about the sports legacy of my university, but I feel like you get it. Like yeah. I saw the ball brothers. Like I saw amazing incredible love as a kid play. Yes. Like, I saw all these amazing players, uh-huh. like Earl Watson. I mean, we mm-hmm. were out of our minds for UCLA basketball. Darren Davis, Matt Barnes. Yeah. I was in LA playing at the men's gym for years and years. The O'Bannon brothers, it goes on right. and on. Absolutely. You, know, you talk about John Wood. I mean, like Marcus Johnson, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like UCLA is the story program. As a matter of fact, I hate to remember this, but the Wolverines' final game in the NCAA tournament this year was against the Brewers, and I was at the game. So you ain't got to remind me. Y'all just knocked us out of the NCAA tournament. That's right. Well, we, we've had some hard knocks, so we're, we're glad for anything we can get. But, yeah, yeah. we're very proud of our Bruins. And, and I, I would like to pick your brain because you might teach us something about ours. Like, what is something about our brain that we should know? You know what I mean? That we should know. Um, you know, I think there's, look, it's hard. I should really like keep a list of these kind of like fun factoids. Um, you know, smell is a really special sense. And, you know, this mm. is one of those things, like a lot of people talk about smell and memory and, you know, how smells can bring back memories. And there's actually like a scientific reason. I mean, first of all, our brains, you know, there's a primitive part of our brain that remembers a time before speech and before even touch when smell was our strongest sense. Mm. Um, but it's, it is our sensory system that like doesn't stop for a lot of intermediate processing. It goes like straight to the heart of your brain as it were. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to, to point that out. Like if I smell someone wearing Dracar Noir, which was like <laughs> when I was in middle school, I'm like back at a bad dance listening to Carol's Whisper, you know? And there's a scientific reason for that, you know? And another thing, which I guess would be good to share is that like, the notion of therapy actually helps mm-hmm. in ways that are not just like, oh, it feels good to talk about your feelings. Cause a lot of times it feels bad to talk about your feelings and it can bring Correct. up, it, it right. can feel like I got to run from this. And that's true for men and women, you know, it is. Um, but getting something out of your brain, this is like a process that, you know, even Sigmund Freud, who was wrong about a lot of things, mm-hmm. he realized that when people talk about the things that are plaguing them, mm-hmm. Just saying it out loud lifts it in some ways. So it I think does. it's important and it's like, we need to talk about it more. It is not just something for rich people, which is unfortunately the way mm-hmm. the medical system has kind of established it is that right. it feels like 
if you don't have the money, but there are so many more places popping up websites, apps, and ways that you can still get support. And it actually does help and it helps your body. It helps how you sleep. It helps a tremendous number of things. It's not just about like, talk about your feelings. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a conversation, a long talk I had with Charlemagne, the God of the breakfast club, because he's dedicated um, his last couple of years of being a mental health advocate as well and encouraging people to do counseling and express themselves. And I agree with that as well. Like the more anxiety or tension you keep in your head or on your heart, you know, that, that has to weigh you down. You have yep. to be able to express yourself when you, when you feel that pain and that anxiety, right? Sure. And, and also like, People have different ways of dealing with it. You know, I know people who who like to drink and do drugs a lot. Like, is mm -hmm. that ultimately in the long term the healthiest way to deal with emotions? No, but we're wow. all going to get our butt kicked by our emotions at some point. Mm -hmm. And I you know you mentioned Simone Biles. You mentioned Naomi Osaka. It, it also used to be this thing that like athletes can take it like they're super mm -hmm. just run through a brick wall. Exactly. And I also yeah. feel like, and I don't mean to get political, but I do think there's also an aspect of that that is very racial. It, it is. It's racially motivated to it have is. these kinds of assumptions about who can tolerate what and who gets to decide who tolerates what. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important to like to point out that like it takes a big man to say, I need some help with this. You know, mm -hmm. it takes a big woman to say, I can't just do this on my own. And mental health does not discriminate. It doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care what, how much money your parents made. Mental health will affect everyone. It'll affect everyone in different ways. But my family's been touched by suicide more than once. A lot of people's have. It's wow. not pretty to talk about, but it's something we need to talk about because being silent about it, it doesn't help us learn more. I admire your ability to use your voice and strength and be candid because you and I know in particular, when you're trying to have a corporate job, sometimes you're, 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 you're called to, to wear blinders and report the news and not be the news. And I've always appreciated that you've been very open about your culture and your faith. Do you remember at one point in your life that you felt empowered by your identity as a Jewish woman? Um. Yeah, there's there's a lot of moments, you know, and I think even to like take it one step further, like being a person of faith is really not popular. And, you know, I definitely get flack from people of like, you're a scientist. How can you believe in things, you know, and, and, and things like that? <laughs> well, you're but a basketball player. Why are you talking to us about politics? It's like, well, I pay taxes. I think there's there's a lot of you know, there's been a lot of difficult times in my life when my faith and my, you know, cultural and ethnic identity has really um, strengthened me. But I think it's also important to point out that there are positive times in my life when you still want to feel empowered. And, you know, I will say that being a scientist and going through the process of pregnancy and giving birth and raising children has been the most humbling experience, the most scientifically fascinating and also the most unexplainable meaning like i'm not god because mm. even though my body can hold a baby can birth mm. a baby can nurse a baby and can raise a baby god only knows how we get to breathe every single day and wake up to a renewed life 
every single morning. Like that's right. a, that's a miracle to me. Right. And you may not choose to cause it, not you, but I think you probably <laughs> maybe like, oh, I woke up another shitty day, you know. But for me, it's like I get another chance to do this life. And again, like getting to see children go from nothing to something, right? From right. not existing to existing. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like, I'm so grateful for a faith that allows me to honor that a way that feels meaningful. How do you feel when people call themselves making fun of science? Like I'm the founder of a school, right? And one of the things that I enjoy seeing is young people when we get them right before ninth grade and they trying to figure out if they wanted to be smart or cool. Like, should I sit in the front of the class? Should I ask a question? You know. So like, give me some insight on that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I ever had a choice. I think, I don't <laughs> but I was going to sit in the front of the class. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, look, I think it's really, it's so, you know, it's so rote to be like knowledge is power. But the fact is, you know, the people who have made tremendous strides for all different people, you know, I think of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., mm -hmm. right? I think of people who, who laid their lives on the line mm -hmm. for the betterment of a larger goal. Mm -hmm. Those are people, it doesn't matter if they've got degrees. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having knowledge about history, about place in the world, about places to go. To me, that's the, that is the coolest thing that there is, <laughs> is someone who has knowledge to be able to captivate people, to hold people's interest and to help them transform their world like mm -hmm. that's literally what is at stake especially in this internet age like i've got a 13 year old i've got a 16 year old i get what's interesting to them <laughs> oh, like i get right. what's them and i get right. what's cool but also like trying to teach young people whether they're your kids or just mm -hmm. the kids you get to impact that the best thing you can do for yourself is have that education and then you get to define what cool looks like Absolutely. And, and, and I didn't take for granted when you said you went to school another, what, 12 or 13 years after college. So that's basically 25 years. It was too many years. Right. But, but this is what I say to athletes or anyone, like, it's going to take a while to get to your goal. There's going to be a level of discipline and sacrifice that you're going to have to take to get to your goal. So now we see you, you're an academic, you're educated, you're a mom, you're a scientist, you're really successful, you're doing things on Jeopardy, but there's a lot of sacrifices. For sure. That went into that. And so acknowledge that. Acknowledge some of the sacrifices you made in order to get to where you are. For sure. I mean, it's also, it's not a straight line. You know, I, when I left Blossom, I wanted to go to medical school. I actually wanted to go into psychiatry because I wanted to understand the human experience and help improve it. Like at the time I was like, I didn't have the grades to go to medical school and everybody's like, Oh, you're so smart. Yeah. I'm, I'm was not as smart as the kids who got A's organic chemistry and so, mm -hmm. so and and again like i don't mean it's like oh such a first world problem like i had to go to graduate school instead of medical school i don't mean <laughs> to say that but in terms of what you think you're worth what you think you want to do what you think you figured out i was constantly having to rework that you know the decision to have kids young which was very important to me definitely got in the way of what otherwise would have been a different career path you know mm -hmm. so those are sacrifices too you know i chose to go without having a 
you know, a, a full salary. I was a student living on a stipend because I wanted to be home with my kids. And like, while I know that I come from a, a very privileged place and I had so many opportunities, it is still difficult when you are struggling financially. It is yes. still difficult when you don't know what you're going to do next. I didn't have health insurance. That's why mm. I went back to acting. I wasn't thinking I'd be on the Big Bang Theory. I'd never watched that show. I was busy. <laughs> like, we ran out of health insurance because health insurance is not provided in this country unless you have a certain kind of job and a certain amount of earnings. And I didn't mm -hmm. have that. And also, yeah, I have a, 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 a ton of mental health challenges that were really, really painful for years. I've been diagnosed with just about everything there is. And mm -hmm. there were times in my life when I met all those diagnoses that I don't meet anymore, but also that's confusing too. If at one point I seem bipolar, what do you mean? Was that a misdiagnosis? And you put me on all those pills and they mm -hmm. didn't help? Like, so I went through a, a tremendous amount of struggles just to be able to feel like I can wake up in the morning and I know what I'm doing today without someone having to assist me. So there's definitely, I've had a lot of darkness and that's why I started my MB Alex breakdown because I wanted to have a podcast where people talk about their journeys with mental health because everybody's got a story, you know, we yeah. all story and being wealthy, being successful, looking like you've got it all together, being pretty, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you are not immune from just the challenges of being human. And also, when we open up our cell phone, we bring in so many different people and, and, and variations of distractions into our life totally. that we cannot avoid. Like there was a period of time where I felt like I didn't have to read the newspaper or I didn't have to watch TV. But, but now that becomes a part of how we get information, right? <laughs> I think the last presidency, no matter what what vote you have, <laughs> I think the last presidency taught us you gotta pay attention. Like, <laughs> oh, I know what I need to ask you. Okay. What? The Golden State Warriors won a couple of championships. They won three, right? Two of Kevin Durant won before he arrived. One that they lost was to LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. I was wow. in the gym. He made that jumper from the right wing. And he sunk your Golden State Warriors. He is currently not with his team. Right. Because he and around 6% of NBA players have decided that they don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Kyrie Irving's situation and for those that feel like they don't want to be vaccinated? So this is, look, this is a great question and I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer it. And what... What the story is, is that we have a very, very special and scary virus that is in front of us now. And it is different than a lot of the other viruses that we talk about. It's different than other things that many of us are already vaccinated for. The, I, I'm not going to come down as harshly as some people have, and I've heard a lot of this discussion. But yes, yeah, there are certain things about science that are true. Mm -hmm. And um, herd immunity is a real thing. Having a certain amount of the, of the population vaccinated is a real thing. Um, and, and I think also, you know, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has spoken really eloquently about this, and that he is a mince, not mince words. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think it's, it's worth acknowledging that there, there is a tremendous amount of distrust in certain communities around mm -hmm. the government for very good reason. I'm just going to say it. It and, is. And, and I'm not saying that's Kyrie's situation. I'm mm -hmm. just saying 
from friends of mine, from people that I speak to, this is a really complicated issue. And we need to have a certain amount of compassion for people who are in a situation where they literally feel like they don't have resources and know who to trust. And the problem of access to this vaccine is one that is a socioeconomic issue that we need to stop pretending doesn't exist. Again, that's not Kyrie's situation, but it is a large, right. it's a larger issue. In terms of the NBA though, it, the, what's true is that businesses are allowed to say, if you'd like to play here, you need to be vaccinated against this virus. Mm -hmm. And while I believe in, in independence and independent thought, I'm an old fashioned liberal. I believe in everybody having their opinion, even if I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. This is a question of a certain level of agreement on mental health and contagions, mm -hmm. not only for the other players, but for the refs, for the coaches and for the associated people who are working with these players. And also, I think it's really crummy. I think the whole situation is really crummy that we have mm -hmm. to be all up in people's business like this, but this is right. an unprecedented virus. And that is why many people are saying it's time now. And, and, and like, I represent a lot of what you acknowledge as a community that has a distrust to our government, I am vaccinated. And that distrust also went for medicine and hospitals, law enforcement, education, just with the system in general. But there's a lot of misinformation also that people are spreading to encourage people Absolutely. not to be vaccinated. What is some of the biggest misinformation that you've heard about it? I mean, I've heard all sorts of things, you know, I, I've heard people say, I mean, I think it's, I've heard people say a lot of things that in some cases we have to admit there was not the amount of time to do research on this vaccine as there have been for other vaccines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also important that the people who are on the other side being like, it's the safest thing in the world, put it in your movie. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a huge risk and sacrifice that we are all taking at this point. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, you know, for people with young kids, I'm, I'm mine are older, you know, mine were eligible for that vaccine. They got it right away. But for people who have little ones, I get it. We're at a place of, of a lot of, of uncertainty for a lot of people. We're in a really, but this is also an unprecedented thing. This is not like the common cold. This is not even like the common flu. This is a different thing. I mean, I've heard people talk about lady cycles changing. And of course, like every time my lady cycle doesn't do what it's supposed to, I'm like, is it? The <laughs> I said to the OB, my OB was on vacation. And I was like, so can I ask you a question? She's like, I don't think we're, I think you're okay. Uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I've heard all sorts of things. And like I said, I also hate to paint with that broad brush of like, right. there's nothing to worry about. There's always something to worry about. And you know what? The government doesn't have such a good track record. Right. right. I just would like to remind y'all that there was a time when the CDC told us not to wear masks, okay? Yes. So I'm pretty yes. sure wearing a mask is the right thing to do. And I'm just saying that like, we're all in this like learning phase of trying to figure out what's going on. So there are certain things we're certain about, and there's a lot that we're all figuring out together. And it sucks to be a human right now in terms of being a host for this virus. It's really painful. We don't know why perfectly healthy people 
are dying from this. And right. it was not that long ago that the hospitals here in Los Angeles, an enormous city, were full. Mm. Like that, that was a real thing that our hospitals were full in a city that does not have that problem like that. And that's, that's not fake. That's not fake news. That's definitely not fake news. And as you acknowledge, and lastly, and again, I appreciate you taking the time. It's an honor to have you on and I would love to join your show and do another home and home as well. But I have to ask you, it's been a turbulent year for all of us and a unique one in the world of Jeopardy. I like to say rest in peace to the legendary Alex, Alex Trebek, right? I'm a huge fan of the show. I see Aaron Rodgers hosting the show. I'm happy that you're hosting it with the former contestant, Ken Jennings. So <laughs> did all of the noise surrounding the Jeopardy surge have a negative effect on you? And how did you feel about being named the interim host? Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you asking this question and I know that you're not asking it just for like a gossipy soundbite. And because we've been so honest, like, I'm gonna say this, like celebrities are just like you. They get their feelings hurt too. Correct. They feel confused when they're misquoted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm in a position where like, I can't be like trying to fight every misquote about me. Um, the New York Times did a piece on me, which I found really kind of like neutral because I don't really like to gossip. So I didn't have a lot of gossip to give. And I can't tell you the number of people who were like, she's an anti-vaxxer. She's an anti. And it's like, did you not read the article? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and, and that upsets me just as a human. It doesn't upset me as a celebrity so much because like I'm grateful to my publicist for like reminding me not to read comments. I had a little slip. But the fact <laughs> is like, when people say things about you that aren't true, that right. hurts. and that hurts whether it's between you and your girlfriends, or you know you and your lover, mm -hmm. or you know on the New York Times comments section, you know, right. like and like certain things. I really just wanted to be like, I'm not an anti-vaxer. Like, <laughs> like my kids were vaccinated late. That's true, and we are vaccinated. Like I'm a bat. Like we're all like I don't even know. <laughs> And it's just people's bias, you know? It's their bias, it's their prejudice. A lot of people don't like me because I'm Jewish, because I have family in Israel. Like, mm. I can't I can't please everybody all the time, but I would be lying to you if I said like, it just rolls off my back, you know? Like, <laughs> and I, I, I feel badly that like, I don't get to also be immersed in the world of, of like, I was that, I was a headline on CNN three days in a row when all this mm. went down. I was like, aren't there other things we should be thinking? Like, <laughs> kids are like, mama, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I definitely, it makes me feel like isolating. You know, it makes me feel like I don't want to talk to people because I don't want that to be the first and only thing they think they need to talk to me about. And I know a lot of people also feel like they don't want to be like, oh, we don't want her to think we don't care. Like, I just want to live my life. I want to go to the supermarket. I want to like right. cook for my kids. I want to go right. to sleep early on the weekend so right. I can up. Um, but I appreciate you asking. And yeah, it hurts when people say untrue things about you for sure. And also like, oh, poor little famous girl. I'm not saying that. I totally know this goes with the territory, but I think it's important to acknowledge what you just allowed me to acknowledge. Like, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Yes, it does. And, and, and by the way, you're not playing the victim acknowledging your reality. Right. That's no different for me as well. Right. Um, in particular, when people are spreading falsehoods about you totally. and when your goal is to actually be a quality human being, 
trying to other, <laughs> right, right. It's like I'm trying to be cool, and y'all still trying to paint me in a way that I don't want to be painted. It's like that's the thing, and it's like I don't mean to, it's like haters gonna hate. Like some people, no. some people are not gonna like you because the color of your skin or no. what religion you are or what team you you know root mm -hmm. for, and like. I can't please everyone. And I've spent enough of my 40, you know, 46 years trying to please other people. Mm -hmm. Like at this point, I'm going to try and live my life to the, to the best of my ability. I really try not to lie. I try to be honest. And also the public doesn't get to own every single aspect of every Correct. single detail about why you delayed vaccinations from your newborn. Like there's all sorts right. of things that go on in your personal life, in mine, like there also has to be a barrier. It's not like I'm famous and you own everything in my head and heart, you know? Well, I admire you and in a professional way, not in a creepy host type of way, but in a mental health way, I'm Thank actually a fan of yours and I love and appreciate you and continue so to spread positive energy into the atmosphere as you do that. It seems that great things continue to follow. Thank you. As you deserve. But before I let you get out of here, there's a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? I'm ready. All right, cool. Besides Blossom, who is your favorite female TV character from the 90s? Oh, gosh. Um, Regina King on 227. <laughs> oh, legend. That's a great answer. But it's right on the border. <laughs> what Jewish delicacy is something everyone should try? A black and white cookie. Mmm, I gotta do that. Ideally, who would you like to be named the permanent host of Jeopardy? <laughs> Steph Curry. <laughs> that's a good one. And that's your guy. We see Aaron Rodgers do it. It's only right. Future Hall of Fame championship athlete. I like that. Is there a subject in school that you struggled with? Oh, I was terrible at math. Terrible at math? Terrible at math. It, it I hated it and it hated me. Well, like Jay-Z said, I hated math, but I love to multiply. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, besides being an actor, a mother, a host, and an academic, what's another career you're interested in pursuing? I am an excellent organizer. Like mm. organizing drawers and clothing and folding things small. I'm like a <laughs> I've been cleaning out garages from summer to fall. I'm like, I'm kind of good at this. Maybe I should open up a got junk type of company or something. Exactly. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. Thank you very much for taking the time and looking forward to catching up soon. Thank you so much. You take care. Thanks you. Appreciate the love. Last call. Last, Last call. call. I'd like to thank Mayim Bialik for doing a home and home with me. I really appreciated that. I joined her show. She joined my show. And I'm truly grateful. I'm a fan of hers. I'm a fan of Jeopardy. I really appreciate her joining the program. Next week, we will not have a new episode. I will re-release the Big Sean episode. And as you know, sports entertainment, fashion, travel, current events, it don't stop. And thank you for making me one of the top shows in entertainment. And it's because of you, I get therapy doing this show. 
But you got to make sure you share it with a friend, a family member, a coworker. Tell them to come get some of this therapy. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.